The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We're talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. We hope this never ends. Jimmy, James, and Tom are back for more. Like Joey B, we're here for season four with Bengal guests and stories not heard before. There's Tony, Mark, and Jamie, as well as our charity, Hootie Nation, joining in from far and wide. Every Tuesday night, the guys are back at it live. By the fans, for the fans, from day one, it's time to have some fun. We're talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. We hope this never ends. The Bengal boys stop by to drop the speed. Don't get your popcorn ready and take a seat. Season four will and with the Lombardi. Live from the Betfred Studios in Greater Cincinnati and Brownsburg, Indiana, it's Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, a Bengal Jim-less version. And without further ado, here is James. What's up, everybody? I'm going to be uh, positive uh, tonight. We might talk about the mistake on the uh, lake a little bit, but we're not going to uh, dwell on that. We are going to move on and um, have some fun. Look forward to uh, Sunday, seeing a lot of our Bengals family down in uh, Lot E at uh, southeast corner of Paycor Stadium. Our buddy Lou Sand from Cincinnati Parks is going to be on, talk about the new arrangement that we have that's going to allow us to officially bleed into uh, Smale Park, which is going to be just more room to uh, tailgate, more room to have fun. So we'll talk about that a little. And uh, two special guests, our, our man uh, James Rapine with his book release. We'll talk about those particulars, where you can get it, um, he also has a special event Friday. And then um, Charlie Goldsmith from the Cincinnati Inquirer at uh, 8.30. So as always, have your questions queued up in the uh, chat. We'll do our best um, to get to those for any of our guests. Without further ado, the the Tiger is back. And let's talk some uh, charity stuff, uh, Tony. What's going on tonight? Hey, um, welcome. Uh, I'm glad to be back and uh, – uh be here with you guys um carrie did a really good job uh, last game or last show so i appreciate her uh, filling in for me um from my uh, charity standpoint just to get an update we're at um forty nine thousand 
$915, I do believe. And that is 16 charities so far. And uh, you know, we're just in the week one. Uh, so appreciate everyone's uh, support and uh, providing those funds for those uh, charities. So uh, appreciate that. And just to talk about a little bit about our tailgate, um, the charity that we're going to be representing um, there is Make-A-Wish. I think everyone knows uh, what Make-A-Wish is all about. Um, it's basically uh, providing wishes for those uh, children and young adults to be able to do things um, that they might not be able to. So looking forward to uh, uh, supporting that charity at the at the tailgate. I uh, got a couple good giveaways. We're going to be giving away a Chase helmet uh, signed um, as well as a Money Mac signed jersey as the raffle prizes. So uh, make sure you guys are come ready uh, to, to buy those uh, cards that we do there for that. So looking forward to uh, supporting that group. And, and the one also, fish, um, if I can pipe in real quick, uh, Tony, again, welcome back from all the hard work you did in, in Florida the last two weeks up in those um, hurricane victims. But meeting with Make-A-Wish, oh, we did over the summer um, about kind of their charity and, and what happens. A lot of people think that um, those those poor kids that are involved are, are terminally ill. And while they're sick, um, you know, most of them, God willing, are um, going to live. So it's a great organization to kind of help those kids get get over the hump. And that was one of the surprising things. We did some research and, and talking to them that um, not all those uh, poor boys and girls are, are terminally ill. Certainly some are. But um, with today's technology and medicine like that, most of them um, get over that hump and, and make a recovery. And uh, they'll, Tony, you can uh, uh, expand on this, but they'll have some representatives down there um, Sunday that can that can talk about uh, the, the good things that they do and a lot of their success stories because of people's generous uh, contributions. Yeah, and at the tailgate, like you mentioned, I've um, been talking with Allie from Make-A-Wish and uh, you know, they're going to have some volunteers out there to help uh, sell those cards. And um, hopefully they'll uh, be able to bring some information that they can share with us as too. And, and that's one of the things that we like to do here is not just earn the money for the charity, but also learn about what they do and what they provide to, to others. So it's a, it's a cool thing to have that, uh, both those items um, involved with our charity work. Um, I also like to talk real quick just about our next duck race. Um, we released uh, information about our duck race. It's for this um, awesome, uh, uh print of mr logan wilson who has signed it and then uh, that was uh, donated by uh, cb art um, if you guys have followed him on uh, twitter or x um, he does some really good um, work and uh, he was uh, gracious to donate this and logan wilson signed it for us and it's for the brooks joshua anderson foundation and just to kind of uh, give some backstory to it if you guys remember the softball um, tournament that we had at logan wilson did um, you know, the part of the proceeds went to that foundation. So uh, looking forward to supporting this group as well. It's um, around SIDS. Uh, this is an organization who um, unfortunately had a dramatic uh, event that uh, affected those uh, involved. And they turned around and made a foundation out of it um, and end up to do good with it. So I'm glad we're, we're supporting this foundation as well. Um, and that duck race is going to be on uh, 926. 926. And then... Uh... Tony, you're everywhere. Yeah, look at I got Tony's. There's Tony's on Betfred. So uh, as you guys know, I worked with Betfred last year, and uh, they've got a bunch of Tony's up there on their app. So uh, take advantage of some of those promotions by Betfred. If you're a new user, download their uh, app. And um, as it, that top one talks about, you can get up to $200 a week. Um, so, yeah, um, if you haven't already got Betfred, go ahead and do that. We appreciate um, that, Tony, um, along with myself, Jimmy, and 
I don't know, thousands of others fans were up in uh, Cleveland in the the miserable um, factory of sadness. Is that what they uh, is that what they, they they call that place? And and I'm not even going to go into a lot of detail about the game, but the one thing that just blew my mind not even five minutes five miles out of downtown the skies were bright sunny and not a cloud in the sky so i think literally over that stadium that wet mist that was a little bit um chilly at times absolutely miserable you get five minutes out of downtown away from the stadium gorgeous weather so that's my that was my takeaway from uh factory of sadness anything you want to add to that uh tony yeah like you said it was uh you know we all saw the game we all saw what happened and um you know, they didn't play their best, but to have that rain on top of it and that little bit of breeze coming off the lake, it just made it miserable. Um, and we kept on checking the radar, which was funny, and, and there was nothing showing on the radar. It must have been that lake effect rain, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it was miserable. We were soaked by the time that game was over. Well, moving on to more positive things. Um, we will talk about the tailgate uh, Sunday, but as we've mentioned on a couple shows, tickets are available for a couple away game tailgates. Those include at Nashville Sunday, um, October 1st against the Titans. You can go to uh, any of the Facebook channels to uh, get those tickets um, for the Nashville away one and also the Arizona tailgate um, the week later out in the um, the desert. Um, those tickets are available as well. So if you uh, plan on going to either one of those, we'd love for you to join us and uh, have some fun pregame. Those are um, two of the tickets are on sale for. We're getting a lot of questions about Jacksonville, so let us get through these, and then we'll have the uh, the tickets for um, Jacksonville, San Francisco. A lot of questions about that. We're doing the winery event um, Saturday, and and uh, maybe something small Sunday. Nothing as elaborate as we're doing in uh, Nashville or or Phoenix. But uh, as always, stay tuned on the on the social media for that. And I popped this link up a little bit before, but we do have a new podcast page uh, we had some issues with the other facebook page streaming so you can see uh, facebook.com backslash podcast talking football you can like that there if you're a facebook person that way you're notified of um, what's happening so tom we you've been quiet uh thus far anything you'd uh, like to add as we start week two in the nfl well you know we'll filter my language from uh, this very spot where i watched the game sunday um, th- there's a, there are some good takes to take away from the game from Cleveland. One, it's over. And the team is out of there. Uh, seems to be relatively healthy. like to think Joe Burrow is one week healthier and hopefully got some rust knocked off of him and didn't add any rust because of that godforsaken Lake Erie rain. But it's one game. It's over. Typically during a season, even the best of teams – play poorly and we watched our Bengals play poorly uh, to put it politely on Sunday. Uh, I've never seen uh, when Joe Burrow's healthy, the offense looked the way it did. So hopefully all the kinks are worked out. The corrections will be being made in practice this week and we can go get the Ratbirds on Sunday. And uh, I know the, the world will look a whole lot brighter with a win on Sunday. No doubt about that. I think uh, speaking of brighter, I think it's going to be a gorgeous day in, in, in Cincinnati, much like it was uh, last weekend. So if you'd like to come down and, and join us pregame uh, right there in the southeast corner of Lot E, we would love to uh, 
Love to have you there. Uh, one thing I didn't touch on, October 17th, um, if you remember a couple weeks back, we had um, Cam Miller on. We're going to do the Riverfront Remembered uh, movie release. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to charity. That's going to be at Dell's 16 Lots Bar at Newport on the Levee. Um, a lot of former Bengals that had the opportunity to play at Riverfront will be on hand there. Tickets are just $10. You can also reserve a table. Uh, perhaps you want to bring um, friends, family, coworkers. Um, you're more than welcome to do so. So, again, that'll be Tuesday, October 17th. We'll do the uh, Riverfront Remembered uh, film. That's going to be the video debut of that, along with uh, a, what, six-plus former Bengals right now that have committed to be there. So it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And uh, James is getting settled into his seat. And without um, – we're, we're not going to keep him uh, waiting. How about, uh, Tom, you want to go ahead and, and introduce our first guest? Well, he's a great friend of the show, uh, a Bengal fan, but doesn't get in the way of him being an objective journalist. He does as fine a job as anybody covering our Bengals, and we are privileged to have him on to talk about his very first book about our Bengals. And here is James Rapine. What's James, up, fellas? How you doing? Welcome. You know what? Um, I don't know if if Jimmy like purposely doesn't come on the the, the weeks you're on, James. But I, I, I you might want to start taking it personal. I do. I do take it personal. This is back to back times now, and uh, I better see him Friday, or or there's going to be heck to pay. Just in case we there's have any kids. Trouble in the hen house. Trouble right. in the hen house. Now, I saw, you know, Tony shared on social media. He has this banner that he takes to all his games, and he's right down front. And probably, you know, he's got a lot of Bengals on there, but probably Sunday in Cleveland, he picked up his most famous autograph on that banner. Is that correct, Tony? Absolutely. That was, that was my favorite one. And I was so uh, uh, up in arms and giggly about the whole situation. So uh, I appreciate James uh, taking a moment out of his uh, busy schedule down there covering the Bengals and uh, signing my flag for me. Yeah, right. See, the flag value just tanked. <laughs> but I, I appreciate you making me feel good and asking me for an autograph. But, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I think that that was the least valuable autograph that's on there for sure. This is, people don't know what I'm doing with that flag. So I'm hoping to get as many signatures as I can on the flag. Um, and then I'm going to, we're going to do a raffle for it. And of course we're going to do a charity. So, uh, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to all those people uh, signing that flag. I'm just glad that you're part of it, James. Thank you. I appreciate you including me. See, I didn't know that part. That's really cool. Hopefully it, it <laughs> fetches big dollars. So anyways, big, uh, big announcement. I had the opportunity to listen to you replacing Tony yesterday on, on Mo show. Great job there. Um, James. But uh, I'm going to pop up this, and this is uh, what we're going to talk about. We briefly touched on it uh, a couple weeks ago when you were on the show. No doubt has to be an exciting uh, time for you. Certainly a labor of love, um, endless mm -hmm. hours and hours um, put into this. But let's, uh, let's talk about it, and let's talk about Friday. Yeah, Enter the Jungle. It's out now for Bengals fans everywhere. I know plenty of people got theirs today that pre-ordered, and uh, this is the perfect – the perfect Bengals book for any Bengals fan. I, I, I think that's the, the, that was the goal. That's how I would describe it. There's season-by-season season summaries. There's pictures, starting lineups, important dates, moments. Uh, this is like the, the 05 spread, not the season summary, but 
what what it meant to the franchise to to make the playoffs obviously after the 90s and how rough they were the 05 team is certainly one that was really important to me growing up and so i try to hit on all those moments so whether you're nine years old and you like the gritty so you're a Bengals fan or you're 69 years old enter the jungle has something for everybody and you mentioned friday yeah, Friday at Holy Grail Banks, 7 o'clock. We're going to do our book release party where we can talk Bengals. It's kind of a season start party. It, look, let's be honest here. When they, they start the season in Cleveland and it's not at home, I couldn't release the book on the road. So it, it's perfect. Before the home opener, Friday night, we'll get together. We can talk Bengals, and I'll have plenty of, of copies of Enter the Jungle as well because I know a lot of people want to get them in person. So you, your chance is Friday at Holy Grail Banks downtown at 7 o'clock. Did I see that's a hardcover too, James? Oh yeah, oh yeah. First, we're, we're we're not messing around. Yeah, no hardcover, uh, and it's got gorgeous, professional, like high def images. You know, from you want to go. This is the '88 season. Obviously, that's a huge year. There's a separate spread for that, but it's uh, it's got great images. It's got the all decade teams, which. A lot of work went into those because I, I didn't want to offend anyone. That's the problem when you do a book like this. You want to make sure you get it right. So all decade teams, there, there were some tight races, but I think I, I was able to nail it down. Chris has a question. Apparently, she's probably going to be at a comedy show. I think if she, Chris isn't, Cookie Girl is not at a Bengals game. She's usually at a, at a comedy show and then maybe superseding you Friday. But she's asking if they can't make it Friday, where can they get the book, James? CincinnatiBengalsBook.com is the easiest place. And I last I checked, if if you sign up there, if you give them your email, you can get ten percent off that that first one. So that's it's a sneaky way to do it if you go to CincinnatiBengalsBook.com right now. Tom, go ahead. James, uh, what was I mean? Are the people you talked to as you you formulated the book and the research you did, what was the one thing that struck you? You were most surprised about the franchise, or you said, you know, I didn't know that. Oh. That, and he takes a lot of, a lot of criticism. He certainly has over the past thirty plus years as he's been team president. Mike Brown was the one that identified Cincinnati as an ideal landing spot for an NFL franchise, and I don't think the Bengals are here if Mike doesn't direct Paul in Cincinnati's direction. So that that part is interesting. There's a, a bunch of things like that. That was one where it was like, oh, I, did, I knew he had a hand in it, of course, but I didn't know he was the one like, oh, well, we should look at that, that, that city south of, of Cleveland down 71. Obviously, they were in Cleveland for quite some time, and uh, it, I'd say it worked out for sure. Augie has a question along those lines, and you might touch on this in the book. Um, was Seattle one of the options? It, it was, yeah. Th there were multiple cities that, that I think they – they looked at and part of the the process was the fact that Paul wanted to be back in the NFL. There was no AFL. He didn't want to stay there. And obviously they started there for a year and, and then or two years, and then they were able to get it, uh, you know, into the NFL. But that was the key for him is getting back into the NFL. I know AFL owners at the time really pushed back. And that was uh, something that I highlighted in the book as well. So little things like that, that, you you can obviously do the research and find out there, but I did it for you, and it can be sitting on your your coffee table, bookshelf, anytime you want to 
take a gander and learn about the Bengals. Yeah, there was some uneasiness between Paul Brown and the uh, the AFL owners. Paul was yeah. not he was not shy about uh, stating. I think his quote was in the documentary was, "I didn't pay six million dollars for an AFL franchise." Yes. Um, and and, uh, and those know, owners did not like that. That they didn't bluntness. like that and, and struck back. I mean, they they did a lot of for a lot of them, very good guys that should be respected. They did a lot of unfair things with the Bengals those first couple of years. The Bengals did not share in television revenue uh, from the NBC contract like like the rest of them did, and, and they saw to that. Um, the Whereas in the beginning, they all favored each other. You know, the allocation drafts were, were not at all stacked. Uh, they left Paul Brown, for the most part, crap to choose from. He, he really had to go young. He had no other choice. And, and the thing that I think people don't realize is how quick the Bengals became good and competitive, despite everything that happened with Greg Cook as well. So like, as you were describing all of that stuff, like Bengals are competitive essentially from the jump. It took a little bit, but, but not like a lot of expansion teams. You know, I think of the Texans, it's the most notable one I would say. Uh, you know, nearly what two decades ago now, I think it was 2002. So yeah, I think that's uh, that, that was something it didn't surprise me. Obviously I looked at the results and things like that, but just diving in, it is amazing how quick they were competitive, especially because it's not like they just walked into Greg cook as promising as he was that that was short lived. Unfortunately. Before we go to Tony's question, James, give me that um, website one more time. So I want to put it in the chat for, um, for everybody that's watching. Cincinnati Bengals book.com. Okay, Tony, go ahead. So, so we know that you cover the Bengals and you've been doing it for some time. What, what just said, Hey, I need to write a book. What, what, what came about and how did you uh, come to do the decision to, uh, to write a book? Right place, right time publisher, Lake seven creative uh, reached out and, They've done other books like this. They've done a Vikings book. They've done a Buffalo Bills book. And, you know, I I think part of it was the the fact that the Bills author was able to mention me, pass my name along, whatever the case is. And in this business, that's a lot of it. And uh, Ryan from Lake 7 Creative reached out. We talked. And this was way back. I mean, this is during the Super Bowl run. I think it was right before the Super Bowl. So things were hectic. I was like, hey, definitely interested. Let's circle back after the game and, and when things die down a bit. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it's been in the works for a while, but it, it, we wanted to get it right and we didn't want to rush it. And we might have had to, honestly, if they had won Super Bowl 56, which we would have done, I wouldn't have left this chair and we would have gotten it done, of course. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the way it turned out. So I don't know, Tony, if there was ever a time where I sat down and said, I want to write a book, but when the opportunity came down, I I looked at it and I said, all right, yeah, I I think, I think that's the, you know, what, this is something I should do. And Joe Marino, by the way, is the one who wrote the let's go bills book. And I know he passed my name along. So I I wouldn't uh, be here without that. And I've I've written the book probably without Joe passing my name along. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, question in the in the chat, James, is about. Let me find it here. Any talk of Nippert Stadium, the '68-'69 uh, yep. stories or pictures in the book? Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah, there's talk of them playing at Nippert, and that's wild. That's something I I knew 
So I didn't mention it in that surprise, but I think it's going to catch a lot of people by surprise. You, you think about the, the professional teams in this town. FC Cincinnati starts at Nippert. The Bengals start at Nippert. Obviously, UC still plays there. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about looking back, you know, that far that that's where the Bengals started. But they did in their AFL days. And uh, that's certainly highlighted in the book. Tom, one final uh, question before we ask him about uh, Burroughs' contract. <laughs> well, um, in, in regards to the book, uh, did you also assimilate a all-time Bengals team, or was it just by decade? It was by decade, and the all-time one would have been, ooh, that would have been tough. I would have done it, um, but the, with the format that we went with, we went by decade. But there were still some dilemmas. And, and you, you try to, cause like Ken Anderson, for example, he played in multiple decades. There are a lot of guys like that. Dave Lapham did that. And I'm just naming some of the notable Bengals. Obviously Ken Riley did as well. So a couple of them made multiple, but a lot of them, the, the majority of their playing time was in, in one decade. So I went with that. I know you went pretty in depth with the book, but this is a franchise uh, as much as we love it. And I used it. I, when we, we had Elizabeth Blackburn on, uh, uh, the other week, I said, you know, no entity in Cincinnati, and this is not disrespecting any other team franchise. Nothing can bring this city together, electrify and energize it like the Bengals when they are winning. It's very mm -hmm. special. At the same time, certainly we had the, the lost decade of the nineties, mm -hmm. but a great number of what ifs, uh, Greg Cook's injury and what would have happened there. Uh, they lost what, what an elite linebacker in Bill Berge that really shook up what was already one of the best three or four defenses in the league, but may have been the best and, and may have turned the tide. Kajana Carter's injury, uh, Boomer hurting his shoulder in 88 on the way to the Super Bowl, and how things may have been different there. Is there a what-if moment or what-if player that you identify in the book? Oh, uh, multiple. You know, you try to hit on as many of those moments as possible. Obviously, the, the Carson Palmer injury from 05 is, is, is more of uh, more of a modern one, I would say, but Greg Cook is the one. Like if you ask me the biggest what if, it's that one because Paul Brown's like, I got my guy. This is it. I have my quarterback. It didn't take long, and, and he's ready to go, and five games in, less than that, it's, uh, it, it goes in a different direction. And so I'll that's – before I'm sorry, I turn you back to James because I know you have to go. But yep. uh, my father always insisted, and Bob Trumpy's analogy was his hand would have been full of Super Bowl rings if Greg Cook doesn't get hurt. My dad's part of that was all those Super Bowls that the Steelers won in the '70s, the Bengals would have been winning had Greg Cook stayed healthy. Is that fair? I, I think a lot of people view it that way. You know, I mean, Paul Brown said, "I got my auto, got my auto Graham." And I don't think he would toss that around lightly. Why would you? And so, yeah, I think that's certainly the vibe. And the thing is, is he won without that. He was able to, to put together an offense that worked and won. And then obviously you get Ken Anderson a few years later and the, the rest is history when he starts to hit the ground running. All right, James, we appreciate your time. One um, final note here from Lisa, I think has a copy of your book. She does, forward yes. Dan Horton in there? Yes, yeah, forward by Dan Horton. Dan is the man. I I asked Dan to do the forward, and he 
didn't hesitate at all. And he's been such a, a big supporter of me uh, really since my, my producer days when I was really, really young in this business. And so I, I'm really excited that Dan was able to write the forward. And I think that's one of the many reasons why Bengals fans will enjoy the book. Nice. We're going to pop up this graphic one more time. You've got a, um, the actual book there, the, the hard copy. Oh, yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. Friday, 7 p.m., Holy Grail, yep. you will be there with the books, drinking a lot, uh, Anderson a lot of books. Yes. D drinking, drinking beer, drinking some cold ones, talking about Chris Collinsworth right here. I mean, these are the type of pictures, insight. It, it, it's an easy read, but I feel like we fit a lot of information in it. So spotlight on Ken Anderson, of course. Why there wouldn't we? we? The pictures are great. I'm a picture guy. Those are uh, those are great. And as Chris asked uh, earlier, if you can't make it to the Holy Grail on uh, Friday, we just shared the link again in the chat, CincinnatiBengalsBook.com, correct? Yep, that's correct. All right, James. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get back on the right track uh, this Sunday at Paycor. <laughs> Um, you know, if you're free and you want to stop by the, the tailgate, say hi. Hey, you maybe you should bring some books by. You know, there'll yeah. be a, a lot of fans there. You're, you're more than welcome to bring some um, some books by. And uh, here's another question. Cash only Friday or Venmo or credit card? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go Venmo in, in cash. That'd be the easiest way. I could bring the uh, a credit card swipe uh, machine if we wanted to go that route. I think it complicates it, though. So do Venmo, PayPal. If we have to do Cash App, we could do all of those, and then obviously Cash Works as well. And they're 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 thirty dollars, just to to give everyone an idea of how much price is. Well, we appreciate it as always, James. We appreciate you uh, signing Tony's um, flag, being the most famous thus far. And we'll see you Friday at the Holy Grail. Sounds good, fellas. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate you, James. All righty. We are, appreciate James coming on. And we also have a, another, we have, well, Charlie's in the waiting room. We're not going to keep him waiting any longer, but I believe this is, this is season four, right, Tom? For us? Yes. Season four. Has there been any foreigners on the show yet in season four? Not on season four. In previous seasons, yes, but and, not and, season four. And, and thus far, everybody has had their sleeves on in season four, correct? Yeah, to best Tony, how are you? Oh, Tony's muted. I got sleeves on, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, before we bring Charlie on, we're going to bring our favorite uh, Canadian. He's, he's come out of darkness, and um, he, he's going to make his debut here. Jamie. There he is. <laughs> What's going on, boys? <laughs> sorry oh, yeah, I'm late. Got... Well, that's uh, that's okay. I, I, I'm also... sorry I'm, I'm late by like three months. But I do have breaking news. I want to be the first Bengals podcast. There's a thousand Bengals podcasts now. But I want to be the first to break the news. The Bengals have released Collins. Have we heard about this yet? Yes. <laughs> Am I late? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're in the penalty box before Jamie. You know, we got 30 seconds in your season four debut. But What's going on, boys? I, I missed you guys. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Right. Tom, do the uh, do the honor of introducing our uh, next guest, please. He's uh, got a habit of breaking sports news in Cincinnati, and his coverage of our Bengals is excellent. And with the amount of news and the game this week, uh, we really wanted to have him on. So we welcome 
from Cincinnati.com, Cincinnati Inquirer, Charlie Goldsmith. Charlie. What's up, guys? Hey, it's 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 tough act to follow, Jamie. It's a season four debut, so we apologize uh, for that. We had to squeeze him on, but um, welcome. Thanks for having me. We uh, it's been a um, you know I don't know how much you saw with with James on earlier, but um, we're trying to forget what uh, what happened uh, Sunday up at uh, the city up north there, whatever they. Uh, Whatever they call it, um, as fans, we've moved on. It's a it's a new week. Um, we're making the uh, season debut at at Paycor, and quite frankly, uh, we're excited. As as Bengals fans tell us, we're no no need to panic. We're we're just fine, and uh, we'll take care of business Sunday at Paycor, right, Charlie? Well, I guess you know. I guess that's it. I, I guess we've covered everything. I guess uh, we, we've covered all the film, and, and Joe and Zach are ready to go for for week two as well. Well, yes, we're uh, we're not panic. We're we're looking forward to it. But um, one thing that just as Jamie alluded to um, earlier, I think that the news broke end of the day um, when teams have to announce their transactions. Kind of the the hot topic is Lyle Collins. We know we started what sixteen games last year. Got injured uh, at the end um, when we brought him over. What I think the term glass eater was used. I think it was the first time Pollock. Um, used it um we know the shift with with jonah this year to the right side of the line if nothing more you know we know we need to protect joe it's depth how shocked were you by uh what happened at the end of the day today yeah these types of moves very rarely happen after the start of the season the window we usually see is after training camp heading into week one so that makes you ask well what has changed since that usual window where these type of moves get made well someone signed the biggest contract in franchise history uh, the Bengals usually like to have a certain amount of buffer uh, above, you know, where the cap is. And the Bengals now have, uh, um, you know, more flexibility in that range after cutting Collins. Um, again, when you look at things that have changed, kind of where the cap stands with Burrow is the only thing that has changed. He's the kind of guy who you would want to have around. One, because of, you know, the impact and the influence he's had as a veteran in the room. Uh, two, because, you know, as the Bengals know very well, offensive line depth is crucial and all it cost was cap space to keep Elsie. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, the decision the Bengals made was to uh, go in a different direction. You know, Charlie, like James said, Sunday's over. Thank God. And after a little time, you know, the emotion settles, film gets reviewed. Uh, I think, you know, it seems like the consensus is the offensive line isn't where we wanted it to be. And maybe a couple times Jim Swartz in the chess game, maybe we got, you know, outmaneuvered a few times, but the offensive line may not have been as bad as we thought. Uh, offensively, is it just on Joe Burrow last week? So looking back through kind of what I was surprised by was how many moments where if like you put yourself in Joe's head, you're thinking this is exactly the look that Joe Burrow wants. How many times, if you're Joe, would you love to see cover one, robber defender over the middle, man defense, which leaves you with one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside? They actually, I thought, had a really interesting wrinkle. All the 10 personnel with Irwin as the fourth receiver, that let them have one-on-ones with receivers versus safeties. The play, probably the biggest play of the game, was Delpit's pass breakup against Higgins. Uh, Brian Callahan said, that is the matchup you want on the field. Uh, that is a play that they'll take 10 times out of 10, and Joe underthrew the ball, whether that was the rain, whether that was the calf overall impacting just his entire motion and mechanics and all that kind of stuff. 
all of that will have to be worked out. What makes this game so strange is, you know, the calf and the rain are two kind of independent variables that we're not used to evaluating Joe with. But I have a lot of confidence that those deep balls to teal work. And if the deep balls to tee work, it's a whole different game. And I think I would bet on those being in a much better direction going forward, assuming Joe recovers and continues to make his recovery and is back and showing kind of more confidence stepping up and around the pocket than he did in Cleveland. Tony? Charlie. Charlie, thanks for joining us. And and we heard this last year. So, again, we had no training camp. We had no preseason uh, play out of our office of starters and Burrow together. How much of an impact or what is people saying? Again, here we, here we are, you know, happen, having this same issue again. How much of, of that is having an impact on them being able to be successful? So we're talking about a trend. It's funny, though. Like last year, I thought the slow start was completely independent from how they managed training camp in the preseason. What they're doing this year has kind of made me change my opinion on that, change my mind on that. I think it's much more connected, specifically the way the continuity didn't show up and the way there were all these operational errors, the illegal shifts, the delay of games, all of that connected. Um, that's the kind of stuff you shouldn't be having for a team with a bunch of veterans who have played together a ton and with a coaching staff that knows exactly what it's doing because they've been around together for each other forever as well. So uh, again, that's the kind of stuff that you need camp in the preseason for. It doesn't necessarily have to come in preseason games. Maybe, you know, uh, an extra joint practice. Like remember the Bengals had two joint practices against the Rams last year. Maybe an extra joint practice or something like that. You're able to manufacture some of those situations better than you would in a preseason game. But overall, they weren't up to speed in the way they needed to be for week one. Jamie, you are next. Yeah, Charlie, what's it, what's it like being in the room after the game, having to ask what what went wrong when the team lays an egg like that? Like, is it is it hard to ask those questions? It's interesting because, like, Sunday and Monday are very different because on Sunday – Nobody's watched the film yet, and it's also fresh. And then Monday, what ends up happening is you end up coming back with uh, more specific questions about the offense and the structure as a whole. So, you know, post game, you know, you're talking to T. I asked him specifically about what Delpit did on that play. It's a pretty, you know, reaction to it. T can remember what he saw. Uh, T's not having to look at the whole scope of the offense and the theme of the game and the structure and the scope of the Browns' overall coverage. Then yesterday, I'm asking more about, um, kind of the pattern of, I think I counted five deep balls they tried or thought about trying to tee. Yesterday, I'm asking more about the balance between the run of the pass and opportunities, kind of they had from a play calling perspective, a run versus pass, kind of looking at more bigger themes after they've had opportunities to watch the tape. Looking ahead, I think that's enough talk about uh, last week. Looking ahead to this week, I know we're ready to uh, party and, and Lottie pregame, but I don't know if you had a chance to watch um, the Ravens game against Houston on, on Sunday. Obviously, terrible injury by J.K. Dobbins. Uh, hate to see that banged up, maybe on that offensive line, left tackle, um, Ronnie Staley, and uh, their second-year center, uh, Lindenbaum. Mark Andrews didn't uh, play. What are you hearing from your uh, Baltimore media counterparts about uh, their situation, especially with injuries? Yeah, well, they had a slow start offensively just like the Bengals did. They just happened to be playing the Texans. And kind of the most interesting dynamic to me that kind of is an unknown is Lamar Jackson in the pocket versus Lamar outside of the pocket. In week one, he stayed in the pocket a lot. 
And Texas, uh, the Texans kind of had some comments about how that limited the overall scope of what Baltimore was doing offensively. They said it made it easier on them. And kind of what's changed is Dobbins out, two offensive linemen out, Andrew's status unknown, kind of because of the from a like a weekly game plan perspective with so many pieces that they're missing in such a big divisional game is Baltimore going to even reverse course almost and pivot just from week one to week two and try to make Lamar Jackson their best overall offensive weapon back to the scrambler that he was last year, because that might be their only chance for some really consistent offense with the pieces they're missing. Um, especially because you're not expecting to sit back and drop back in the pocket and let those receivers get open because of where the line's at. The one thing I will say though, about those receivers, Zay Flowers, kind of a, a more physical Hollywood Brown is the guy he reminded me of. He can do a lot with the ball of his hand, ball in his hands. He can burn you deep, but he's so much more advanced and precise. He's kind of been the talk of camp there and that carried in to a solid week one showing. So he might already be that wide receiver one who Chidobe Uje is locked in on. You know, Charlie, going back, but going back with a little more of a positive spin on Sunday, one of the things that everybody had worried about all off season and the national pundits who uh, <clears throat> take a little bit of a sadistic pleasure pounding on the Bengals, we heard about the safeties. But I thought Nick Scott and Dax Hill not only communicated well and had guys basically in the right spot, but they also made big plays. I mean, you don't want your safety leading the team in tackles, but they're certainly fast. They certainly know how to make plays. Overall, the run defense, that was kind of a, a little bit of a theme that is harder to really acknowledge during training camp because they're not full – Thank you. Um, That is a theme probably we're going to have to keep studying and harping on um, for two guys who really are known for more of who they are as pass game playmakers. But as pass game playmakers, they lived up to the hype, lived up to the hype in training camp. They lived up to the hype in the preseason. These are two guys who are so so they're not Vaughn and Jesse yet, but they're faster than Vaughn and Jesse. I, I think they'll have more turnovers than the Bengals had from the safety position last year. There's a lot that those guys bring to the table immediately. Dax Hill's versatility, like some of the stuff he was doing on third downs yesterday, uh, on Sunday, not a lot of receiver or not, not a lot of safeties in the NFL do that kind of stuff on third downs that Dax was doing. So just more good signs the Bengals are seeing from two guys who I really like. So sticking with the positives of the defense, I thought the defense kept us in the game on Sunday. Um, pretty much to you know halftime, and unfortunately, just being on the field so long, you know, um, you know, it got it finally caught up with them. So, what do you see against Baltimore? Um, do they keep the same scheme, or you, do you think talking about Lamar? Do they change it up a little bit? And uh, what, what kind of pressure do you see the line given uh, uh, Baltimore? Well, it all starts with kind of what the Ravens are getting from Mark Andrews. He's the kind of guy who can create separation quickly and win quickly, and give Lamar that quick option. What the Bengals have done that I think's worked best against Lamar over the years is they've shown pressure and they've done a really good job mixing up blitz looks versus, you know, mixing up even drop eight. And they've really crowded and stacked the line of scrimmage, given the Ravens bodies to account for, have given Lamar a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to have to be ready for that doesn't <clears throat> let Lamar just go or, or just take off or just, you know, get ready to make one big throw because he can be as explosive in individual moments as any quarterback, you know, outside of uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. So I like what the Bengals have done previously against him. That calculus does change, though, when you have, you know, his, his safety blanket and his most explosive guy in Andrews with everything he can do 
Um, but overall, the Bengals have historically, I think, played Lamar pretty well. You know, he had the, the, you know, the game where it all took off in 2021, that blowout where Lamar got nothing going. Week five last year, the defense played awesome. I think it was one of Lou's best game plans ever. And we're not talking about it just because Burrow and the kind of the running backs and the tight ends had a bad day and the receivers as well. And there was the shovel pass, uh, but the defense played great. You know, we haven't seen Lamar since, but I think they've had a really good plan for him overall. As the uh, Charlie, as the lone Canadian on the panel here, I have to ask a little bit of a depth depth chart question here. Chase Brown, what are we hearing about him and his role on this team going forward? So they like Chase, but like what would his snaps have been? I think he's a good short yardage back, and if you had an extra spot, I think you'd see him more in like third and one, fourth and one spots. I think he's genuinely good at that. But he's not the special teams guy that Travion and Chris Evans are just because of experience. That's fine. But that means a lot here. Um, Chris Evans and Travion did well in pass protection. They're probably more – I know they are more trusted in pass protection than Chase Brown is right now. They're also just – you know. We know what Chris Evans is as a receiver, and Travion's made nice plays for them as a receiving option as well, especially because Miles Garrett was the week one matchup. They wanted to make sure they were as ready as possible for kind of all the different stuff Cleveland could throw at them at the line of scrimmage. Chase Brown will have a role as a ball carrier, but it wasn't the right matchup. It was also not the right time in Chase Brown's career. And again, they like Evans and Williams for those passing down roles. Yeah. Looking at that offensive line, um, Charlie, you know, going back since Joe Burrow's rookie year, you know, we, we know the need to protect him. Um, obviously, we brought in Orlando Brown this year, swung um, Joan over to the right side. Ted and Alex come in last year. Uh, Cordell had a great uh, rookie year. Looking at it and some of the problems we even saw Sunday, when do you start looking at Frank Pollock and, and asking questions? There's been some uh, – stuff on social media, you know, where his offensive lines have been ranked over the years. What's your take on on that? And is it uh, too soon to question Frank and, and what's happening there on the um, front line construction, O-line construction? It's a fair question. Um, I'll look at the body of work. 21, I think Frank probably exceeded expectations with that offensive line. Just look at the talent they had, the fact that the Bengals had any consistency at all. Also what they did with the run game that year with four guys who weren't in the NFL the following year, I'll probably give him there. The Bengals got off to too slow of a start last year. I think my biggest criticism for Frank overall was why that line wasn't prepared from a communication standpoint for week one and week two. There were just some terrible, like not blocking Micah Parsons uh, on a third and one, like no, nobody blocked him. Um, That stuff can happen. But from like week five on, I genuinely think the Bengals had a good offensive line until they got hurt. Now they haven't been good enough developing backups and put that on, you know, into this conversation as well. That ended up catching up to him late this year. Probably, you know, it was one game. I, I thought they were fine. I thought they played more than well enough to win the game. If Ward doesn't hold chase and chase breaks free and catches that and takes that for a touchdown. And then if Joe throws a better ball on the Delpit play and T catches that in stride and gets a touchdown, the Bengals probably win the game. Um, it's a big season for the offensive line because of how much they've invested in it. It has to be good. I like the individual pieces. We'll see how they work this year. I would bet on it working over it not working, which would mean, you know, I'll be betting on Frank overall, especially considering he's done some solid things in the past. Charlie, you know, we, we all love T Higgins and we all know he is an elite 
NFL receiver. Uh, he's a number one receiver on probably 28, 29 other clubs in this league. And it's incredible. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. He's a great player to watch. We just had his mom on the show a couple weeks ago. That being said, um, evidently his agent is Darth Vader. And depending on, you know, what source you listen to, at the last minute over this past weekend, the Bengals made one heck of an offer to him. That was not good. And then uh, I was a little surprised with the response of T doesn't negotiate during the season. So, and uh, we've heard reports he's not in the Bengals' plans. He will be a free agent next year. Do you think they're just going to let him walk? They wouldn't franchise him and tag and trade him or franchise him and say, hey, these are the rules your union set up. We want you to stay here and help us win a Super Bowl. Or do you think they're just going to let him go? I wish I had a better Star Wars related metaphor to continue tying this in with. Um, I know how the coaches view T and I know the coaches in the front office are on the same page, just in general, they work really well together and they very much understand and value the coaches input and perspective on these situations. The coaches spent an entire off season adding wrinkles to the offense in ways that specifically featured T because they saw it as a path to get more one-on-one matchups across the board. More T in the slot, more RPOs featured for T. You saw a slot fade for T in week one. He wasn't doing that last year. The Bengals have so much confidence in T that they did all that, and they've done all that, and you'll continue to see that take off over the course of the season. They value T. Now, Higgins also knows how good he is, and the wide receiver market is the wild, wild west right now. Uh, Justin Jefferson, no deal. Mike Evans, a, a very different stage of his career. Uh, C.D. Lamb, very similar situation. There's just, I don't think, as much clarity like Burrow, Mahomes, or not Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Jackson, Herbert, they all got five-year deals that were pretty much in the same family of contracts. Well, there is no family right now in the wide receivers' contracts. That probably leads to more just uncertainty overall in the negotiating, and we've seen it's led to more receivers betting on themselves. I'd chalk this up to more the receiver market than anything. I know how much the Bengals value T. My projection right now would be um, at the bare minimum Higgins getting a franchise tag very quickly just because you're not letting that guy walk. I think he's the kind of guy who just like the Chiefs have built around Mahomes, uh, Jones, Kelsey. They've kept their three superstar guys. I think the Bengals should keep their three superstar guys, even though two of them play the same position. That's how good T is. Uh, but now this is the defining question, you know, as the Bengals build this thing, it is a debate, you know, a receiver versus what that can mean for the rest of the roster. And part of the solution to that debate will be the offers that T and Higgins are both comfortable with. One more question, if you don't mind, Charlie, you want to be uh, conscious of your time. This comes from Lisa in the chat. Um, going back to the running back situation, uh, Mixon, I would agree, had a had a solid game um, on, on Sunday. I thought in the limited touches, Chris Evans did good. Obviously, one of the big questions for him is can he pick up those uh, blocks? So maybe um, elaborate on, on Joe, what we can expect for him um, this year, and, and maybe uh, Travion Williams or, or Chris Evans in the backfield. So, Joe, that's the Joe Mixon game. You'll sign up for that 17-plus postseason out of 17. With the way he broke tackles, the way he ran physically, his stiff arm was as good as it's been. He had some really quick like stutter steps uh, to kind of be patient while turning that into acceleration. It was really nice. It was also a reminder that the Bengals aren't built to be a pound the rock, run the ball 30 times in the rain type team. 
every move they've made. They they got offensive linemen to run a shotgun gap scheme, you know, what we've seen them to run the RPO style stuff that works well because everything they do is focused on putting the ball in Burrow's hands. And that's okay. That's why they've made, you know, the AFC championship game in the Super Bowl the last two years because of how well they've featured Burrow. Uh, it's good to know that on days where Burrow will be better, they have the mixing in the run game that can keep them efficient, that can probably create some more explosiveness. I think he's really underrated as a receiver. I think you saw all the things you need to see from Mixon to where on a normal day from Joe, you're taking that from Mixon 100 times out of 100. Well, Charlie, we appreciate you uh, joining us. I can't believe it's taken so long to uh, to get you on here. You're your knowledge, first class here, um, certainly ramped up going into uh, the game on Sunday. For those uh, maybe out of the area or don't know how to find um, what you're right, uh, go ahead and um, tell tell the Bengals fans where they can find you. Just everything at the Cincinnati Inquirer and Cincinnati.com. All righty. Well, Charlie, we uh, appreciate it. We'll all be down at uh, Paycor on, on Sunday. Get that first win. Get us back on on track. And um, again, your your time tonight uh, certainly appreciated. And look forward to um, keep following you on social media and reading those wonderful articles you're typing out. Good to see you guys. All right, Charlie, Thanks, thank you. Appreciate it. Man, wealth of uh, wealth of knowledge here. Just um, in depth on on some things. Um, I think obviously hot off the press was the Lyle Collins situation. Um, that T Higgins situation. Great question, Tom. That's, I don't know, made, I don't know if that's really made, made mainstream media, kind of what's happening there behind the scenes on the uh, contract. But, um, you know, Charlie, wealth of knowledge for sure. Yeah, he's, hey, his coverage is excellent. Good, Jamie. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, this, I can't see the chat. I'm on the phone. It's the first time I've been on the phone. Is, are people in the chat like our normal people all here? Yeah, they, they're, uh, they're, I saw Andrew's name up there. Lisa was there. It's funny that you mentioned that, Jamie. We got Lou in, in the waiting room. We're going to bring him on momentarily. But let me scroll back here. This is uh, from Quip Trip Keeper. I don't know if you can see this. Question, it says, for, question Jamie. for Jamie. Was Reagan in office the last time you had a haircut? Just playing, bud. Great. <laughs> well, yes, Jamie. The chat is alive chat, and well. Great. great. Have no fear. So. <laughs> See, careful what you ask for, Jamie. You, you know, you've yeah. been gone for a while. The, the... I can't see it. I can't see the chat on my phone. I don't know. I've never been on the phone before. I'm always on my computer. But anyway. Anyway, let's uh, get to our final guest. He's been waiting long enough. Um, Bring him on. announcement that we made um, this afternoon, this evening. I think it's, it's finally out on uh, social media. Tom, go ahead and introduce our uh, final guest of the night. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead and pop him up. Um James, Craig, and Jimmy have worked very, very hard uh, to expand the tailgate where we've been a little bit cramped these last several years, and it'll be uh, jumping over the walkway there by the river into Smale Park. And I believe we have Lou. Uh, there he is. Lou Sand now on. And Lou, welcome to Bengal Jim and Friends. Hey, I'm really happy to be here and very excited about this upcoming year. Well, we're sorry to keep you waiting there, but... Um... We're excited. As um, the press release um, said today, a new collaboration with Bengal Jim and Friends and uh, Cincinnati Parks, what you guys do um, right there in, in Smale Park, uh, adjacent to uh, Lottie and then southeast corner of, of Paycor Stadium is, is, is gorgeous. You know, if you haven't had the opportunity to 
to walk through their pregame or even on a um, Saturday. You know, we have a lot of people that come into town before, uh, you know, the swings just walking down on, on the water. I know, um, you know, it's probably getting a little cold, but the, the water features that the little kids like down there, it's um, quite a cool place. And, um, you know, for those that don't know about it, Lou, let's uh, let's hear all about Snail Park. Well, I tell you, you know, Smail Park, uh, we see it as kind of the, the front yard for the city. And I, I can really think of no better place to do uh, some tailgating activities. But, uh, you know, right there along the river uh, at Smail Park, uh, obviously, there's a lot of wonderful features to include the river view. Uh, we've got uh, a play, really nice playground for the kids. You mentioned the water features. Um, we got a nice, great lawn space in the Castellini Esplanade, uh, which we've uh, been doing music at every Saturday night. Uh, we're also going to be doing some music uh, on um, on Sunday uh, with a live band. So that's that'll be an exciting. Uh, piece to our first collaboration, uh, but definitely a great, great place to get revved up for the game. Certainly. I think more on the east side, there's a, a flying pig um, thing that kids can play on. There's some music, uh, noisemakers down there. So so certainly a, um, a great place to visit, like I said, whether it's on game day, whether you're walking over to uh, Bengal Gyms or perhaps you're just down there with the uh, – Family, Lou. For those that uh, don't know, how uh, how long have you been involved with uh, Cincinnati Parks? Well, actually, I uh, it's going on twenty four years. So uh, I've been with Cincinnati Parks uh, for quite a while. I uh, had a lot of different assignments um, with Cincinnati Parks. Started off on the east side. Uh, you know, I actually left for Afghanistan for a deployment for a year. Came back uh, and did some. Um, was a district crew leader out of Mount Airy Forest. Uh, and then I came down to the river at, uh, in, a, in a position in about the 2012 uh, time frame. Uh, got a promotion, went back over to the east side, which is actually where I had started. Uh, and now I'm back on the, um, on the river running the riverfront parks. Um, so a pretty long career. Nice. And for those that ask, our – Tailgate, um, Spot and Lot E, where we've been the last five years, that isn't changing. But through the collaboration with Cincy Parks, we're going to have a lot more stuff um, adjacent to us, right, literally right next, um, right next door. So um, as everybody knows, charity is a, a huge part of, of what we do. Cincinnati uh, Parks is going to benefit um, from that. You're going to see David Fulcher down there on um, game day with his charity, Icky Woods with, with his charity. Some great local Cincinnati companies um, are going to be part of the tailgate, and that's simply because of the the collaboration with Lou and his team at, at Cincinnati Parks, and we're excited about that um, partnership. So, Lou, we appreciate you um, joining us here tonight. Will we see you um, down there Sunday? Oh, absolutely. I, I'll be there with my lovely uh, lovely wife, and uh, can't wait to uh, help get help get how things get started uh, again i'm really looking forward to it um you know it was great working with craig and and jim uh to put this thing to uh you know together and uh, i really see a lot of room for for growth and a, and a wonderful partnership 
uh, moving into the future. And again, we're very, very excited about it um, and uh, look forward to a long relationship. Well, we appreciate it. Sorry, I want to say something. Yeah, I just want to say something to Lou. I just want to say you guys do an amazing job with that park. So I, I come down from Ontario, Canada to the games. I bring people down with me. You're right. That is the front yard of Cincinnati. That's the first place that we go to when I bring new people down. And they're absolutely blown away with how it looks. You guys do a great job. Well, I, re- I really appreciate that. And I really got to mention uh, the team, um, you know, that I have. Uh, Casey yep. McCann is the district crew leader over there. We've got some amazing florists and, and uh, you know, other employees that just put a tremendous amount of effort into making that experience, uh, you know, truly a, a great experience. And I encourage everybody to take the time out, um, you know, on Sunday or other days to come and walk the park, enjoy the uh, pieces of art, obviously the beautiful uh, flower and horticultural displays that are throughout the park. There's a lot of fun stuff to do down there for the whole family. And uh, this type of collaboration with you guys is just really in line uh, with the mission of Cincinnati Parks to provide, you know, really memorable experiences for the citizens of Cincinnati. Yeah, just like the parks is family friendly, friendly, we take great pride in the tailgate being family friendly. So, um, as you said, bring the families down. We got uh, some people in the chat thanking you for your um service Lou so we um, we appreciate that and and they uh, thank you as well so again kind of um, last minute we had to shuffle your time slot around we appreciate you being so flexible Lou we look forward to um, seeing you down there at uh, Sunday pregame absolutely looking forward <laughs> to it thanks good guys. Day, have a good evening yep thanks Lou all righty. I think that is going to bring us to a new two-minute warning. Let's go! <laughs> Good there. I think uh, Tony, you got uh, that. Bengal Warrior making his Bengal Jim um, two-minute warning debut. So thank you, Tony, for uh, putting that together. And um, we'll let you start off the um, the ending of the show tonight, Tony. Hey, it's week one. No reason to be scared, nervous, or worried. Um, we've seen this before. Um, let's just go in with a positive attitude. Uh, one thing that um, I take a lot of pride in is uh, making sure that we still support the team. They know they played bad. Um, it was a full time up in the city up north. Um, but, you know, most of us uh, who were there, um, we stayed there and applauded them all the way into the tunnel. Um, and that's what we should be doing. We're a supportive uh, fan base, and that shouldn't change. But I'm looking forward to uh, um, Sunday, um, our first home tailgate and getting everybody together, getting our charity season officially kicked off with the tailgates. Uh, looking forward to seeing everyone. Boo day. Tom, does Jamie get to say anything, or do we have to put him in the penalty box since he's missed like the first seven shows of season four? Yeah, uh, let's let's go around. We'll let him finish tonight. You go ahead and go next. Oh, you want me to go? Okay. I'll, uh, do you guys have the football ready for the handoff? We maybe we, there's only one football, you know, probably. Dude, I'm okay. I'm um, I got home late. I'm on my phone. I'm I'm doing my best. <laughs> with his uh, with his rope factory shirt, he's getting the shameless plug in. If you need a wedding in Brantford, yeah. Ontario, if, if anybody in Cincinnati is looking for a wedding in Ontario, Canada, 
Come and see me. I'm working, on a, I'm working on a Tim Horton sponsorship deal for a show, too, but they're just they're not sold on the demographic quite yet, but I'm working on it. Oh man, oh man. All right. I digress. So I'm gonna um, talk about the tailgate. Certainly excited for what we're gonna do, uh, the collaboration with with Cincinnati Parks. Um, Lou touched on it. Um, Jamie, you touched on it. See in the chat. Um, Chris is even talking about the uh, loves the piano um, keyboard there. Just pretty cool. We're excited, as Lou said. Family um, atmosphere there at Smale Park, just like the tailgates. And that's something we're often asked. You know, hey, can I bring my kids? Can I bring my younger ones? One hundred percent. You can bring them to uh, to any of the tailgates, home or away. And uh, I'm going to give one more plug for the um, for the whale ta- way tailgates, Nashville, Arizona. Those tickets are on sale. I touched on it earlier. I didn't have the graphic. Um, our friends at Bold Stripes, for those going to the San Francisco game, there's going to be that private uh, Bengals wine tasting up there in Sonoma. So there are some limited tickets available for that. If you uh, plan on going out to San Francisco, making a couple days out of it, um, feel free to get one of those limited uh, tickets. So nothing's changing uh, for the tailgate in. Um, this year, again, it's just expanding through a partnership. Lots of uh, new and exciting things. Our buddy Kick with uh, CMA has a new um, DJ vehicle. DJ Trouble will be back, uh, new sound system. So we'll be debuting that um, Sunday, which should be uh, a lot of fun. And again, as I always say, this is um, by the fans, for the fans. We appreciate everyone tuning in. And uh, Tom, go ahead. Well, one change to the uh, to the tailgate that James, you did not get to mention him with uh, Jimmy not being put on the active roster tonight, being inactive. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't announce it. There'll be no hip hop played this year. It'll be strictly country music. James will be picking the music uh, songs we can all sing to. Uh, yeah, Jimmy's yeah. taste in music is odd. It's it's passe, and and obviously after the loss last week, we need to shake things up a bit. And uh, so that would be the final big announcement there. But uh, Sunday's big. Uh, come out, bring your voice. It's going to be loud. We could play a darn good football game and still lose to the Ratbirds. They're a very dangerous team. They are well coached. They do have an elite quarterback. They will be dangerous. And don't be fooled. I would imagine a lot of those guys that are injured right now make miraculous recoveries. Guys always seem to. And with that, um, you know, this offseason, he was in a darkness retreat for a while. Uh, then he was in a dark holding cell at the uh, Canadian-United States border that uh, James and Craig inspected this past week. But uh, it's good to have Jamie back, and uh, I'll toss it over to Jamie finally. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, that's hard to <laughs> right do on a phone. You have to look the opposite way. I, I had to practice that the whole time James was talking. <laughs> Look, guys, um, I don't mind laying an egg. I just hate that it's against the Browns. I just absolutely hate that it's a divisional game. I think Sunday is going to be huge. We're all obviously we we're cheering on this team. We 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 want them to win, but I like I hate to say like a week two game is a must win game. You do not want to go down zero and two to start the season and lose both games to divisional opponents. So. The ramifications of that later could be felt. We, we looked at that last year. We looked back and went, oh, man, if we would have beat the Steelers, you know, it would have been a whole different uh, whole different uh, scenario last year. So 
I don't know, man. I, I hate losing the Browns, but I'm excited for the home opener. I'm excited to see what the Bengals have done new this year. Um, you know, obviously the game day experience has improved dramatically over the last few seasons. Um, so I'm excited to come down. I'm excited to see you guys. It's been a while since I've seen you guys. Uh, I'm going to be down for the tailgate. I'll be down for the home opener. I'm going to stay for the whole week. My birthday's on Sunday. I'm staying over for the Monday night game and then going home after that. So be 10 days in Cincinnati, and I cannot wait. And glorious days. So, Jamie, well long days. Well, you have the sleeves on at the tailgate on Sunday. The ladies are asking you to chat. What's that? Sorry, well, I have what? Uh, be sleeveless Sunday. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to see me sleepless, man. <laughs> the ladies do. Nobody, nobody wants to see that. We'll, we'll check before. <laughs> right. All right. Another question is, what time do we start? Um, Chris, yes, 9 a.m. Sunday. We will be uh, ready to um, to rock and roll. So, so come on down. Obviously, um, Park doesn't limit that, but uh, the other portion and Lottie, we're to four hours before kickoff. So, yes, 9 a.m. We will um, start uh, fresh. And um, the VIP, um, Tony reminded us of that. So many people are always asking, hey, how do we get involved in, in the tailgate, especially those that aren't in town? They're like, you know, what can we do to help out? Um, on social media, uh, our buddy Craig put together um, a VIP option um, for fans. Um, there's different levels. There's different um, appreciation items that uh, go for that. So uh, check out the social medias if you want to become a VIP member of the tailgate. We'd love to have you. It also includes tickets to away tailgates and a lot of uh, cool stuff. So if you'd like to do that, if you're one of those people that's always asking, hey, how can I, I get involved? Um, that's there. Um, also, again, this isn't just the four people on the screen and, and Jimmy that put this together. There's so much legwork that happens behind this uh, <laughs> from volunteers helping set up volunteers that help tear down. So we appreciate um, all of that. Uh, Mr. Holmes asked, yes, it's Oktoberfest in Cincy this weekend. So a lot of fun stuff happening in, um, in Cincinnati. So come on down. As always, we appreciate you joining us again. If you haven't liked that new Facebook page, um, please do so. Facebook.com backslash podcast talking football. That way, if you're on there, you can stay tuned of all the latest and greatest with the podcast. So from all of us, including uh, Mr. Foster, who's not on tonight, who day? And we look forward to uh, seeing you Sunday in the southeast corner of Paycor Stadium with our friends at Cincy Park. So, who day, everybody? Who day? Uh, Go Bengals.